Hello, I'm Steve Payton, President of the Chartered Banker Institute. Welcome to Episode 3 of our podcast series, Credit and Lending During a Cost of Living Crisis. Today, I'm joined by Paul Denton, who's the Chief Executive of the Scottish Building Society and one of the Vice Presidents of the Chartered Banker Institute. The Scottish Building Society, for those listeners who may not have come across it before, is the oldest remaining building society in the world, and this year is celebrating its 175th anniversary, having been founded in 1848. So it's 27 years older than the Chartered Banker Institute. It's a mutual society owned by its 33,000 members, so again, similar in size to the Chartered Banker Institute. Its principal purpose is to help people buy their homes with funds raised from their members' savings accounts. Paul was appointed Chief Executive Officer of the Scottish Building Society just over four years ago in June 2019. He has over 30 years experience in financial services. He joined the Chartered Banker Institute in 1988, undertaking the professional qualifications of the time before becoming a Fellow of the Chartered Banker Institute in 2003. And this year he became a Vice President, the first, I believe, to be a CEO from a building society. Like many of us, Paul began his career with the Royal Bank of Scotland, holding various senior positions before moving to the Cooperative Bank as Director for Branch Mortgages and Business Banking. Before joining the Scottish Building Society, he was Managing Director for the operations within the UK's largest funeral business, Co-op Funeral Care. Paul is active across a number of industry forums, including membership of the UK Finance Mortgage Board. So I'm really looking forward to today's conversation and getting the benefit of Paul's expertise on the important topic of mortgages during this cost of living crisis. So welcome to the podcast, Paul. Thank you, Steve. So let's start with um, something that's kind of very much alive in the news today, given the latest uh, figures on inflation. We hear a lot of news about house prices falling and how the cost of living crisis and the subsequent rise in inflation and interest rates to dampen inflation has dramatically affected the cost of mortgages. With the caveat that some mortgage rates have started to decrease a little bit recently. So, Paul, from your perspective, what are the main factors do you think affecting mortgages in this current cost of living crisis? And what sort of rates do you see the mortgage market settling at? Well, th- thanks, Steve. Um, it's, it's interesting times within the mortgage market at the moment. And, and I think um, in line with your introduction, we, we do need to take a longer term view to get some perspective here. Um, because you're quite right, over recent months there have been media reports of house price falls, and, and quite correct when, when we look at that on a month-to-month basis. Um, but over the course of the, the last three to four years, house prices did rise quite significantly through 21 and the early part of, uh, of 22. So people are not necessarily sat on negative equity um, just now. It, it is worrying if you're if you're a household, and clearly it's a factor that people take into account when looking at their overall wealth. However, I, I do think that that will stabilise over time, and as people just take that more medium-term view, uh, then it, then it's not quite the issue that perhaps the media will uh, would have us believe at the moment. That having been said, and I do think much more pressing on on households just now is the level of inflation that we've experienced over the course of the last few years. There's no doubt that uh, cost of living um, has increased day-to-day expenditure and uh, customers for existing mortgage holders and indeed for those looking for a new purchase uh, do find it more difficult from the point of view of demonstrating their affordability because of uh, increased bills overall. That's, That's been accentuated further by the rise in interest rates that we've seen quite dramatically over the course of the the last 18 months with with an unprecedented number of of interest rate rises. 
Again, if I was to take a longer term view, um, interest rates are more of a normal level now, um, and it's taken some time since the uh, financial crash back in 2007-2008 for interest rates to, to normalise. However, a base rate of around 5% is not unusual in, in a longer term view. That, that having been said, that doesn't help anybody who's now facing the potential for a mortgage rate rise of sub 2% to, to over 5%. And it's something to note that over the course of the last 10 years, um, banking across the, the UK, or at least mortgage lenders across the UK, have been far more prudent in assessing affordability and applying stress rates. So I, I do have some level of confidence that we'll not see high levels of, of repossessions uh, over the course of the um, the coming years. Inevitably, there will be, and and you know our heart goes out to to anybody who finds themselves in that in that position. Um, but I do think prudent mortgage lending over the last ten years has prepared the economy better uh, for the for the rising interest rate environment that we have. Thankfully, thankfully. Um, unemployment has not risen significantly, and that in itself is usually the greatest factor in, in customers struggling to uh, to repay their mortgages. So, so lots of aspects going on: rising interest rates, increased levels of inflation, putting pressure on affordability, um, media uh, highlight about falling house prices. Um, however. This is an economic cycle that we have been through many, many times in the past. Uh, and I, I am confident over the course of the coming years, we'll come through this one strongly again. So, I mean, you make some really interesting points there about where mortgage rates are today in the context of the long-term trend in, in interest rates, and also about the fact that house prices have risen pretty consistently for many, many years. And therefore, we're, we're starting to see a, a, a fall in house prices. I think it's around about 6% year on year in the numbers to August. Um, so actually, if you look at it in the longer term, it's, it's perhaps not as challenging as it immediately feels if you read the newspapers. But I guess for people who took out their first mortgage sometime in the last 10 years or so, it is a significant change uh, in terms of their monthly outgoings. Um, and it's going to cause some real affordability issues. I, I saw recently that there was a reference in the papers to the fact that mortgage costs going forward were going to account for almost 40% of take-home pay compared to an average run rate of 29%. And, and I guess that underlines some of the challenges that we are perhaps still facing into rather than working our way through as some of these fixed rate deals that were put on three or four years ago are still there and, and still cushioning families from, from these uh, negative rates. That's right, Stephen. And that impact um, will take probably another two years yet to, to flow through Five-year fixed-rate mortgages were very popular uh, during 2020, 2021, and many customers yet have still to, still to feel the pain of those those increased rates, and and will will not do so un, until you know potentially uh, 2026. Um, so th there is this that is still to flow through into uh, the economy and into individual uh, households. Um, I, I think it is important to to note and to one of your earlier questions, when do we expect things to uh, to normalise? The reality is, I think for the next five years, and uh, the, certainly the swap rate forecasts uh, would support this, um, that we are unlikely to see interest rates decrease terribly much 
over the course of the next five years, with projections being anywhere between four to five percent th through that period. So as as households adjust, we, we need to ensure and we need to help and be supportive as a mortgage lender um, that that adjustment isn't temporary, but it is a permanent adjustment to their household expenditure going forward. I think you're right. I mean, it's interesting that maybe some of the talk about this being a short term increase in interest rates and then them settling back down towards two to three percent. That that appears to be somewhat off the agenda now, and we're definitely looking at long-term rates. Ten-year gilt rate, I think, is four and a half percent. The forward-looking swap rate in five years is five percent. So I think you're very much spot on in terms of where you see um, interest rates being over the next, you know, four or five years, even longer. And that that's the world in which we now have we now we now have to work. So against that background, how how is it how does it feel if you're you know, leaving university, getting your first job, starting to think about putting your foot on the housing market. Maybe actually for a lot of people, they've been renting for four or five years. How do, how do people who are younger um, and starting to think about owning their own house, owning their first property, how easy is it for them to get on the housing ladder without maybe the support of their parents or their grandparents? Um, we've seen a change in, in our lifetime, Paul, where Average mortgages have gone from a 25-year life to 35, 40-year life. Um, what does it look like if you're in your 20s or your early 30s in terms of getting a mortgage and, and getting onto that ladder? I, I think it's inevitably more difficult, unfortunately, uh, than, than it was 20 years ago. And when, when we look at the typical steps that um, young people take to get themselves onto the property market, often that first move is into rental uh, rental property. And unfortunately, private rental um, has experienced some issues of late as well. And many uh, of the particularly smaller landlords have sought to exit the market because of the, the higher interest rates and the cost of borrowing for them. So there are less rental properties available. And, and that always was a good step for uh, young people to get onto the property market because it was able to demonstrate their affordability for mm -hmm. them to uh, effectively find their their budgeting beyond living with with their parents. Ironically, during COVID, there were a number of government schemes and there were an, uh, an element of government support by way of reduced stamp duty and shared ownership schemes uh, in, in various guises. Um, interestingly, there's far less of that now when I would argue that it's potentially more difficult in the higher interest rate environment for people uh, to get onto the housing market. You, you, you've highlighted one way of keeping mortgage payments down, which is extending the terms. And we as a mortgage lender, like others, are definitely seeing that. There was almost just a standard practice that a mortgage was 25 years uh, previously. Um, but what we are now seeing is uh, longer mortgages, but equally mortgages being taken out much further into, into people's lives, in, potentially up to uh, 70, 75. That, that is some commitment. However, it does allow you to keep the payments um, smaller in the, in the early part of, of your life when perhaps your salary isn't as high or you have additional commitments with, with children, et cetera. Um, but Steve, I am, I am effectively justifying what is a harder position for uh, younger people to find themselves onto the property ladder now. And, and it perhaps 
also reflects that we do have a housing shortage in, in the UK and the overall supply of houses um, has significantly reduced per head of population. Uh, and, and like any other market, supply and demand uh, has certainly filtered through and the average house price against the, the average salary ha has increased fairly substantially over the course of the last 20 years. So it's not just the outgoing, but it's the level of deposit that's required and the level of borrowing that's required uh, to purchase uh, a property these days at the, at the scale that they go for. It's a good point I, that when you look at it, you think about the natural uh, consequences of a supply and demand imbalance. But then when you think about the cost of building a new property in terms of materials and labour, um, actually, that's not out of sync with the way that house prices have moved either. So actually, for a lot of younger people thinking about buying their first property, which for, which for many of them would be on, on some form of, of new build proposition, the entry points are, are quite high and the profit margins of house builders are, are not exorbitant either. Um, so the price points do appear to be justified by the input costs to the housing that, that these guys are, are thinking of buying. So I think it's a real challenge. Um, obviously, in the past, the government has tried to help through a number of first-time buyer initiatives and, and, and other support mechanisms. Um, but again, I guess the market has to normalise at some point and it and and maybe if we're getting into a, a feel of interest rates being at or around their current level, then that's where the market and pricing will ultimately adapt to. Taking a different perspective, so looking at the, the, the other end of the age spectrum, um, there's a change going on as as many as the next generation of retirees don't perhaps have the defined benefit pensions that, that many of their former generations have had um, and are starting to have to think about how they live on an annuity from a defined contribution scheme. What about the options for the older generation to start to release some of the equity in their properties to help them live the type of retirement that they've dreamed about during their working lives. I mean, how is that easier these days or is that still really difficult in terms of affordability and access to, to mortgage finance in your later years? That's, it's a really good question. And um, for, for as long as the affordability can be demonstrated from the pension in, in whichever format that that comes through, uh, later life lending um, is is definitely available, if if anything, increasing. I think it's increasing on, on a number of, uh, for a number of reasons. Um, there is a desire to support the next generation. And we, as a mortgage lender, we do see applications to release equity or um, effectively to take a, a retirement interest-only product that will be with the customer uh, until they uh, until they sadly leave us, um, but that enables that generation to free their children, their grandchildren in some cases, uh, to have uh, deposits, uh, knowing full well that they're they're essentially passing on their inheritance prior to uh, prior to the normal time of which they would. The other reason that we're seeing uh, later life lending, be it through equity release or um, or just generally extended mortgages, is to do a number of the things that you articulated there. The other aspect that we've seen, uh, Steve, is that people are just living longer now than they used to, with potentially 25 years 
um, in the in the retirement age. They're keen to release their uh, their equity from their homes so that they can live a life of travel, of exploration, of doing things with their children uh, through that period. As as a mortgage lender, um, it's it's safe lending because it's generally low um, LTV and is definitely a growing segment that we're seeing more of uh, going forward, and I'm sure will continue to grow. I think you're right. I think the the mortgage market will have to evolve at both ends of the age spectrum. Um, maybe greater levels of shared ownership, um, both for the younger generation and also for the older generation. And mortgage lenders will need to think how they get their heads around a slightly different proposition in terms of the equity of a property as well as the affordability. Um, it could be a really interesting time for innovation and development of new ideas and, and new products to cope with the demographic changes that, that are taking place around us. Um, I don't think I don't think the regulator or indeed many banks have contemplated mortgages in the context of a hundred year life, um, which, according to uh, Waste Streeting at the Labour Party conference last week, is something that a child born today could well look forward to. Mm -hmm. um, coming back to today, um, one of the areas that has had a lot of uh, coverage, both from the government and from UK finance and from a number of commentators, is this issue of, of mortgage rears. And certainly UK finance have been you know, much more present. Um, I've seen adverts on, on the London Underground, for example, in terms of encouraging people to talk to their lenders when they're facing into difficulties rather than letting those difficulties uh, get ahead of them. Is there any advice that, and guidance that you would give, both in the context of your position as CEO of, of the Scottish Building Society, but also from your experience as to, as to how uh, borrowers should think about managing the arrears and how banks and building societies should cope with this potential increase in customers who find themselves in financial difficulties? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the most important thing to say here, and many bankers listening in will recognise this, is that we always want to do the best for our, for our customers. And it's absolutely right that there's political and regulatory intervention. Um, however, it, they only go to highlight, or at least I believe they only go to highlight the support that the banks and mortgage lenders would have offered to customers. We... we um, We'll always help a customer if they get in contact with us. We're, we are not as scary as, as many customers uh, may perceive. And, it, and that's actually enabling customers to get over that first contact to reach out to their mortgage lender and just explain that they are experiencing difficulties. There are many, many uh, different formats of, of forbearance. We launched as an industry uh, in the summer, the Mortgage Charter, um, offering interest only periods, offering extensions to mortgages, et cetera. These are not new tools. And for any customer who's experiencing difficulty, um, my, my advice would be, please get in touch with us as, as early as possible, because it's in your interest and in our interest um, that we ensure that you could continue to be able to afford your monthly payments where, where you can't, that we offer support and ideally work towards a solution that's the best for both the customer and, and for the lender going forward. And, you know, unfortunately, repossessions are absolutely the last thing that we that, that we would ever want to do as a lender, um, but often come about largely because of a lack of communication. Um, so 
we are seeing a level of increase in, in arrears, unfortunately. For a year now, we've been talking about the storm that was brewing on the on the horizon. And for many banks, we all reported that we were not seeing an increased level of activity. That has changed over the course of the last three months. I don't know if that's necessarily a tipping point as more customers have moved off of um, their previous fixed rates or whether it's just inflation has really um, fed its way through into their um, overall affordability on a month-to-month -month basis. But unfortunately, we, we are now starting to see a level of increase in, in arrears. And um, once again, we're, we are here to help. We're keen to help. And um, encouraging that first phone call, asking for help is the key thing, Steve. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Paul. I mean, I think that it's quite hard to pick through the economic data in terms of trying to judge where this is going to land. Um, you Wages today have overtaken inflation, but there are some clearly some sticky parts of the inflation data that are not responding to the changes in interest rates. So it'll be a really difficult call for the Bank of England as they work their way through whether to put rates up or see how the current uh, policy plays out. But I think you, maybe not a tipping point, but I think probably that trend of more people finding it challenging is probably going to increase in the short to, to medium term. I mean, clearly, the Scottish Building Society has been around for many, many years, and, and you're the current custodian of, of that business. So I'm not going to ask you to give us uh, an outlook for the next 175 years. That would be particularly unfair. Um, but what are the, the things that are on your mind as you go into 24 and 25 and you think about the positioning of the Scottish Building Society and your customers and the economic backdrop? Well, to the, to the last question that we, we just discussed there around around credit, we, we, we've increased the level of resourcing so that we are immediately there for the support of our customers. So having um, those initial conversations uh, on a personal level, we feel adds the greatest value and we've, we've trained up additional colleagues uh, in, in that regard. Um, we seek to use our data more effectively and um, try and establish where there are patterns and, and then take a more proactive approach. Uh, we are blessed with uh, a high level of data within financial services uh, and we feel that we can use that uh, effectively for our, for our customers going forward. We feel that we need to um, be perhaps a little bit more proactive with our product development. Um, there are a number of products that were available in the 90s and, and the early 2000s, which, which fell away um, in the lower interest rate environment. Um, there's the potential for us to revisit whether they could be of benefit to customers again. And, and I'm not saying that we'll be introducing offset, but I use that as an example of products that um, were more popular in a higher rate environment. So I do think we don't necessarily need to reinvent the wheel, but we do need to learn from the past um, and move forward with, with product propositions uh, for the current interest rate environment as well. So creativity and care is probably the two words that I would say are, are high on my agenda going into the coming years, Steve. I think that's an excellent place to, to step off. Um, creativity and care is a perfect combination, I think, to think about the challenges ahead, but also the need for the financial services industry to be empathetic and understanding and work with his customers. And it's great to hear 
um, a senior individual in the business such as yourself, Paul, talk in that way. Um, so to close, thank you once again for taking the time to speak with us, sharing your insights into the issues that we face today and potentially some of the challenges that lie around the corner as we work our way through the cost of living crisis, uh, inflation, um, and, and, and the longer ongoing issue of the supply and demand challenges in the UK housing market. Um, obviously, the Scottish Building Society is a, is a survivor, been around for 175 years. I'm sure it will be with us for many more years to come. And it's been really great today that you've been able to share those insights with um, our listeners. So I hope if you're listening in, you've enjoyed today's podcast. If you did, then please feel free to share it more widely with your social media. Uh, and for now, it's just time for me to say thank you very much to Paul and goodbye. Thank you and goodbye as well.